0: calvary live we are so glad you could join us through our podcast here at calvary we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with jesus christ we hope today's message will be an encouragement if we give jesus one more just incredible praise i think he's worthy of it all amen somebody say it all just say it all he's worthy of it all it's an honor to be with you guys this morning, and especially in the stead of Pastor George and Phyllis being here uh, this morning. We love them and appreciate them so much and so grateful to know that they're online with us this morning. And I just want to say a huge thank you, not just for the opportunity, but the fulfillment of a dream and a desire. And I'll get into more of that later, but I used to go to church here. 32 years ago, I attended church here. I was a student at Outreach Ministries of Alabama, just over the other side of the river down in Valermosa Springs as a 13 month at this time, it was a 12-month Christian discipleship program, kind of like a teen challenge. Maybe you're familiar with them. And, and I came out of the south, out of Naples, Florida, had a bad problem with drugs and alcohol and, and everything that was buried underneath that. The drugs and alcohol are just kind of the, the surface things that's trying to medicate the underlying issues inside of a human's heart there. And the addiction is really not the, the drugs. It's what's going on, wounded and beaten down in the inside or undeveloped or undiscovered in the midst of their life. And, and I arrived. Here from Naples, Florida, all the way up in Alabama, and came here. The very first time I'd ever been to a Pentecostal church was right here, okay? It was the very first time. I had a lot of first times. Here at this church. Matter of fact, this is very formative in my life. Matter of fact, Pastor George and and Phyllis are, are like spiritual parents to me. But it's almost as if I was a, a foster child, if you would, and then it was replaced and went out and found life in another area there and moved on. But I've always stayed connected. I've had the honor to have Pastor George at our church for different events and. Just have the highest respect and honor for both of them and what they have invested in my life. And then as I graduated out and moved into Huntsville, met my lovely wife, uh, Gretchen, and there we settled down. Her father was a pastor. Uh, There in Huntsville, and we got involved with the teenagers and started working in youth ministry and growing on, and and Gretchen went on and I together. We have 12 children, so I'm just saying that in case you're slow, we are pro-life, okay? We are pro-life. That's just something that's got going on, and yes, we know what causes it, okay? It's why we're having them. But anyway, the Lord has blessed us richly and, and our children are all serving in the ministry with us. Some of them are here with us and some of our School of Discipleship students, you've got to just raise your hand over there. School of Ministry students are here with us also. And I have so much that I want to share with you. It's, like it's kind of like a coming home moment. But I just have the highest respect for this house, for your pastors, for this ministry. And I am so excited to be a part to be able to celebrate An extenuated celebration of 40 years of ministry right here in Decatur, Alabama. That is absolutely amazing, amen? Absolutely amazing. And just the movement of what God is doing. And our dear friends Jared and Wanda Young, so good to be back in church. We served together in a church in Huntsville for some years. So good to be with you guys. Father, we thank you that we get to do this this morning. We don't have to go to church. We get to. And we thank you that we're here. Not only was I glad when they said, let's go. I got more glad when I got here. And Lord, I'm just so excited to be able to share your word, to minister your truth. I thank you that I can still hear some chains breaking right now. I can still hear the work that you're doing in the hearts and the minds of people, Lord. Even the chains that that have been broken that still need to be broken. Every link of that chain needs to be broken. And Father, I declare the divine work and the power of the Holy Ghost to manifest in our presence. I pray that the word of God that is preached, that it would be a piercing, it would be an enlightenment, it would be a, an empowerment. It will fully care for and take care of what you have purposed to do. I thank you that somehow, some way, by your spirit or angelic assistance or some evangelistic person, you got us here this morning. Now, Lord, I ask that you'll do what only you can do and do what needs to be done in each one of our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' powerful and glorious name. Amen. Amen. There were two ladies that were standing right here in the worship and the two end ones. I think she's one of them right there. I believe I met your husband in the back there, Dwight. I want to say to you, sister, I really feel like the Lord wanted me to to encourage you. You have fought many battles. You have been fighting a battle. And the Lord says, you have won many battles on the behalf of other people. You have this yoke about you that you pick up and you carry other people's loads. You see it and you feel it. And the Lord says, I'm going to anoint not just your eyes and not just your ability to carry, but I'm anointing your tongue also. And you're going to have the spirit of liberation in other people's lives. There's coming a strong (laughs) prophetic unction and utterance over you that is going to liberate those who even seem to be spiritually deaf They're going to hear the word of the Lord through you. The Lord says, Because you have embraced my mercy... Because you have shared my burden, so shall my mercy be increased upon you and all that you desire for it to be increased upon also. And I want you to know, says the Lord, I'm fighting your battle right now. And victory is not just on its way. It appears today. You will have message today. In the next three days, you'll have confirmation of God answering things that you have been hoping for. You're going to see the answer of it coming in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. And then where's the, the lady that was standing right next to her? Right next to her. Is she, is she in the, the sanctuary? Why don't you raise your hand up? Where's she at? She's back that way. Bring her in. We'll get her in just a second. Let me share with you just a few firsts that I've experienced. You know, we celebrate first. First steps, first words. How about that first birthday? You know, go get them a chocolate cake. You try to keep them clean uh, for a whole year. Then all of a sudden, you're like, just make a mess of it, right? How many of y'all do that with your children? Okay, so I don't want to make a mess of it, but the, here's the deal. Here's the first thing. Like I said, it's the first Pentecostal church that I've ever been in, okay? It was the first place I ever lifted my hands in worship. It was over on the belt line, and we would show up, and we'd sit about the second row, and we'd come into worship, and then the music would start coming. What a mighty God. We, you remember that, right? He is abiding, 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 and, and, and this just rocking and rolling, and, and, and we're in there, and I'm looking around these people. I'm like, what on earth is going on? They're, they're throwing their hands up in the air. They're dancing a little bit. They're shouting. They're smiling. They're happy to be at church. I would pretty much had had grown up in a liturgical church, okay? So this was out of out of the ordinary to me. Tremendously. And so I'm looking around and I realized the people that are lifting their hands seem to be happier than the people who weren't. They seem to be a little bit more engaged. Seemed like they knew who they were talking to. Seemed like they, they might have had some type of contact or touch or experience. They were celebrating something. Something was going on. They had been called out of darkness and into his marvelous life and they were showing forth his praise. They were celebrating the goodness of God. And I thought, well, I might as well try it. I tried everything in the world. And that got me to where I was. I better start trying the things of the church. So I did the whole. But it didn't do anything. I did the whole. And I thought, well, I might as well just go for it. This is like three weeks in. Sunday mornings we come over. And I just threw my hands up in the air and... Whoosh, this mighty flowing wind just came right over my... I mean, it was like... I could feel it. I thought, this stuff's good. I came back the next week, did it again. Three weeks. Fourth week, I thought, lifting my hands so good. I'm going to lift my head. And I lifted my head and saw the air conditioner vent. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. But he used that to stimulate, to arouse, to awaken, to stir, to awaken my faith to believe. And I've been seeing the mighty rushing wind of God ever since those days. His power has not yet failed me, and it hasn't failed you, and it's still moving right now. He's an ever-moving, ever-living, spiritual God. Amen? This is the first time i ever lifted my hands. Maybe I'm talking to somebody this morning. This is where I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now you may say here, no, it might have been the bell line, but it's the church I was in. As the embodiment of the people of God and the presence of God. I literally was desiring, seeking, thought there's got to be more. And they were telling me there was more. And so on a Sunday night, Pastor George was, was preaching. And he preached that night on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The altars were filled, probably a hundred people in the altars. And he worked his way somehow over to this little boy that he did not know. And he laid hands on him. And bam, I was slain in the Spirit. Filled with the power of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And had been speaking in tongues every ever since. have been praying the divine will of God ever since. i tell you what, I've been so discouraged and so disappointed and deflated at times in my life. And all of a sudden, whatever happened that night starts to rumble on the inside and the spirit of God starts to declare the will of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God. And I become awakened again and revived and restored. What happened to me here at Calvary If it can happen to me, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'm prophesying over you right now. It can happen to you what has happened to me. Let me take a break here. Sister, could you stand up for a second, please? I want to declare something over you. Promotion is not just of the Lord. Promotion of the Lord is about you right now. The Lord said, he's taken the ceiling off of the top of you. He's taken the barriers off of you. And you've been, you've been strapped and you've been hindered. You've been limited to a certain degree. But the Lord says, I'm getting ready to arise within you. I'm getting ready to take you head and shoulders above. It's kind of like a King David anointing. Even though there might be some saws around you. They've gotten a little bit of crusty. They've gotten a little bit of jealous. Some people are very easily intimidated about you. The Lord says, scat. He's moving them out. He's driving them away, and he's causing you to rise up. And he's going to anoint you, but he also has a new appointment for you. And part of that is going to be the desires of your heart, but part of that is going to be the desire of his plan. The Lord says, I'm getting ready to elevate you, advance you, quicken you, and enable you for the things that are appointed for you. In Jesus' name, amen? It was here, it was here at Calvary that, that something started to stir inside me. I'd never seen preaching before. I'd, n- I'd seen people in white robes. I'd seen people serve communion. I'd been to catechism classes, but I'd never seen anybody preach before. I would go back to outreach ministries and we would only get a certain period of time in the, in, in the restroom and, and in our bathroom at the dorm where we lived at because there were so many guys and I would go in there and waste half of my time standing in front, Pastor Tony, in front of that mirror like Pastor George, pointing my finger and preaching what he preached. That morning. Something was stirring on the inside of me. Something was awakening inside of me that I didn't know even belonged to me. I didn't even know that that was my destiny. I didn't know that that was the plan that God had for me when he says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. When he, before he put me in my mother's womb, he said, I think that boy could preach. I think that boy ought to preach in those thoughts of God. And I would stand there. And I told a dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends uh, used to uh, attend here and serve here. His name's Pastor Chris Mitchell. Many of you would know him. And I was telling Chris just recently a few years ago. I said, Chris, I've never told you about this, but I would act like I was Pastor George preaching in there. I'm weighing out whether I said, and hoping that, that I'd get a pretty wife too. I was a young boy, and I did, and I did. And I would stand there and preach, and Chris laughed his head off. He said, do you know why he does that? And I confirmed this just a few weeks ago with Pastor George. He said he broke his pinky, and it doesn't bend. I said, I don't care. I just wanted to preach like he preached that happened right here. Is there the possibilities? there's preachers sitting in these chairs right now that you didn't know that he knows this about you, that you are being prophesied over right now, that you will preach. You might preach in this stage, you might preach in other churches, but God is going to raise up a preaching generation. It is time to preach the word of God again. It is time to release what the world is yearning for and longing for, the revealing of the sons of God. It is time to have the thunder, the Jesus again, the fiery preachers bringing the Word of God that will put a fire in a heart, not just a thought in a mind. It was here in this church that I received what I call my life verse. I don't know if you have one. You should. Maybe that's why I'm here right now, just for this specific reason, that you need to have it inside of your heart, saying, life verse. Lord, what did the preacher mean about that? What was he meaning by that? You know, that all the days of your life are written in that Bible. All the days of my life, all the days of your life. And there's some verses that just fit some people for specifically of who God's called them to be. David Grant, great missionary to India, was preaching. I remembered. I wrote it in my Bible. I wrote the date. I wrote the year. I wrote the name. I underlined it. Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, by the mercies of God, I beseech you by the mercies of God. I beg you by the mercy of God that you would present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service or worship. And be no longer conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. Maybe you find yourself surrounded by people that you can't convince, you can't persuade. I'm not saying that everybody's going to have to make the decision you did, but I will say this. If we're really living the way we're supposed to be living and we're presentable in such a manner of holiness and righteousness, such a manner of passion and zeal, and so detached from the world and so connected to Jesus, that it ought to prove to anybody there's something different about that person. There's something going on inside of them. There's something. It's kind of like when Nicodemus showed up in the middle of the night. He came hiding out there, and it's not easy to walk in Israel, friends, especially at nighttime when there's no electricity. And he's walking over there, and he gets in, and he finds Jesus. He said, he said, we know. He said, we know. He didn't say, I know. He said, me and all those other Pharisees over there, we know you're from God. We're just not accepting it. We know you because nobody could do the things that they do unless God is with them. I want to declare a huge Emmanuel over each and every one of you. I'm here to declare to you that with God All things are possible There is nothing impossible For you with God and for God And for God with you God is not going to do it all for you He said he'll do it with you And we got to bridle up with God We've got to hook up with God We've got to saddle up with God we got to start walking in the spirit of God we got to step into holiness Because without holiness no man will see the Lord Listen to me Without holiness no man will see the Lord That ought to make you want it I didn't say you won't see worship. I didn't say you won't see fiery people. I didn't say you won't have prophecies. I didn't say you might not heal the sick. I said you will not see the Lord without holiness in your life. Jesus was holy. He was totally devoted to the deity and the work of the deity. We need to come to a new level of living sacrifice. The problem with the living sacrifice so it has a tendency to crawl off the altar. Come on. You know who crawls? Babies crawl. People who can't change their own mess crawl. People that are trying to sneak in the middle of the night to steal something. The enemy's a thief, not you and I, amen. It is no longer time to crawl around Jesus or to crawl off that altar. It's time to become a living sacrifice. Matter of fact, he told the story, David Grant did, when Charles Greenway was preaching at a church that he was in when he was a 12-year-old boy and he told the story and when the offering plate was being passed around, I think they called it a pan back then, and it was for missions and it said there was a little boy at 12 years old, that took the pan. That had no money. Put it on the floor, and he stood up in it, and he said, "I don't have any money, but you can have my life." And that day, when that pan was parked across the bound, and my brother David Grant got in that pan as a 12-year-old boy, I think somebody ought to stand up somewhere this morning and say, "I don't have much, but what I do have, I give it all to you. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to surrender my will. All the days and all the steps that I have, every breath that I get to breathe, it belongs to you, Jesus. Amen." Now, listen to me. Here's the beautiful benefit. This is the beautiful benefit of holiness. No man will see the Lord without holiness. Listen. Until you and I are living holy, they're not seeing Him, they're seeing us. We need to understand that we must be so lost and found in Jesus that they're not seeing us, they're seeing Him. This isn't about us and our self promotion, our own ascension. This is no longer the Tower of Babel. It is not a way to heaven. Amen? We need to be seen in Him. In Him. I think the church is living, has lived foolishly, has lived uh, uh, immaturely in the point of we have accepted it's enough to just have Jesus in us. The Word of God tells me they that do the will of God will abide forever. He that endures till the end shall be saved. And we're not just in a destination religion. We're in a relationship process. And we need to walk this thing out. But we need to find the common sense that realizes Christ in us is the hope of glory. But us in Christ is the fulfillment of his plan. We need to learn to live in the spirit. If you can walk in the spirit, guess what? You can walk out of it. We need to transition into totally devoted, loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. A brother told me one time, he said, if you don't love him with all, you don't love him at all. Now, you can argue it as much as you want. Listen to me. You need crucif- cruci- crucified, not justified theology. You can sit here and argue that statement, but think about it. If this is at, and I'm not in all, I'm not at that all. It's a position of where we are. It's not just a a concept, amen? One more first that I experienced. My wife and I were serving as teenagers, uh, to the teenagers over in Huntsville. And we heard that Mario Marilla was going to be here. And it was over at Beltline, and I thought, hmm, I read that book. I'm going over there. So I loaded up, probably had 10, 11, 12 people go with me. I was happy they did because that way I could ask for the church van because I don't think my car could have gotten here. We loaded up and we drove over. Next night, five people went with me. Next night, I went by myself. I was hungry. I don't know what you're hungry for. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it'll be open. I don't know what you're looking for. Listen, asking's not enough. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. When what you're looking for, you're not finding start banging for it. Start making some noise, right? Rattle for it. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you for righteousness? How much do you desire? You know, the scripture says, desire spiritual gifts, but much rather that you would prophesy. I think we shoot short there too. Because I think we desire more to be prophesied to than we desire to prophesy. I'm speaking to a prophetic generation I said I'm speaking to a prophetic generation I don't have time to go into that message right now But God is raising up I hear it in the whispers around here I hear it in the conversations I heard it in the back over there Man, there's a word inside of you Sow that word, release that word Feed people with the word of God, amen And I, I got there the first night and, and, and Brother Mario would get up and he'd point somebody out And he'd call something He'd call sickness or disease or something and, and he would call them out and minister to the people I said, man, Lord, I want that. Mm, I want that. So I went back the next night. That last night, I pulled in the parking lot in a 15-passenger van all by myself, and there was a special pastor's meeting to meet and greet them, but I wasn't a senior pastor, so I was not aware of that. I'm sure they would have let me in. But I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for the doors to open. You see, if you're not waiting for doors to open, you're not knocking. You're not knocking. And so I'm standing at the, the doors and, and outside of the van, and, and these two pastors from Huntsville were walking in. And they looked over and they kind of smirked and laughed at me a little bit and said, Well, you got a really big church. I was the only one in the van. Only one in the van. They couldn't humil- me, humiliate me. I'd already humbled myself. I was waiting for the doors. Why? Because I wanted to sit right there, brother. That's where I wanted to sit. I was going to get on the front. I didn't know if it was allowed, didn't even ask. When he opened up the doors, I ran up and I sat down in the front row. Every night, Brother Mario would come out at the, middle of the wor- at the front of the worship, would come out and have an armor bearer with him. And some of the staff would walk in. And that night, he walked out, no armor bearer. Actually, I think it was the fourth night. No armor bearer. And I thought, well, this is strange. You ought to be observing if you're going to find what's missing. Because what's missing might be where you need to be feeling you walk walking around letting other people look for things for you, and you wonder why you're always getting the leftovers. Somebody ought to get up on it. So I walked into the church. I said, well, there's somebody. And I said to this, I said, Lord, if I'm called to do anything like what he's doing, if that's the call of my life, if that's the gifting of my life, I mean, this is what this house incubates, friends. It's the kind of stuff it culturizes. It's kind of DNA that's inside of this house. This is a kind of stirring. I heard all those stories. You've heard Pastor George's stories. They're not stories. They're testimonies. They're prophecies. It's God declaring things over your life. That's why you're up underneath this. That's why you're there for the blessing, for the outpouring, for the release, for the anointing, for the bestowing upon your life. I got in that front row. I said, Lord, if I'm called to this, I just need an affirmation. He got up to minister, preached a short message, Got ready to start ministry. He looked over and said, You. I didn't do like you guys do. When I call people, they go. I was already. I'm wondering where were those people at? And he said, You. I stood up. He said, Come here. He whispered in my ear. He said, wherever I go, stay right next to me until I'm done. that night might have finished but it's still going today friends there's so much in this house and for that Pastor George and Phyllis thank you now I beseech you brothers and sisters therefore by the mercies of God that you would present your bodies not just your spirit, not just your soul, but your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable. If that word in and of itself doesn't grab our attention, we're going to miss the whole concept and live in frustration and confusion and uncertainty and possibly bail out later. We need to present ourselves acceptable to God. That would mean that there's something that might not be Acceptable to him. Something that could not live or operate or, or activate in the midst of his presence because it's not holy. It's not pure. It's not cleansed. Now, he can cleanse you. He can wash you. He can restore you. He can make you brand new. He can create in you. That word, create in me a clean heart, is the same word, create the heavens and the earth. He wants us fully devoted to Him. Not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what those chains were about. Listen, you could take a chain and break it and think, praise God. But now you just have two chains. It might not be as bad as the other ones. and That's where most Christianity lives. Well, my sin is not as bad as. It's, it's better than it was. Well, then let's just make it better. Break every link, every attachment, every association. Break it, break it, break it. That's why I keep saying, I see those chains breaking. I see those chains breaking. Amen? I want to share with you in the next few moments of the success of sacrifice. The success of sacrifice. You're sitting in the midst of that. I just wonder, I honestly wonder how many nights of sleep for pastors George and Phyllis have been interrupted in the last 40 years. I wonder how many birthday parties they might have had to miss or how many ball games or how many this, that, or the other thing that they could not do because what they had to do. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. I wonder how many vacations were interrupted through 40 years. I don't think they've made a list of it. You can't find a more loving couple. I don't think that they're making a record of it whatsoever. But that's the sign of their sacrifice. I wonder how many churches through 40 years may have called him and tried to court him, tried to woo him, Am I correct? And tried to get him to go to a bigger, a better, another, whatever it is, and he didn't. You know why? Unless a weak kernel falls on the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Well, what are you saying? Well, I'll give you a parallel scripture. If you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish. You plant seed, friends. You plant seeds. Those words that the Lord gave to him, those encouragements, those messages, all that, he died with that. And that's why we're living in the fruitfulness of such. This is success. These 40 years is we celebrate the successes and we tend to overlook the sacrifices. And some people get so frustrated and so disappointed. You need to understand from my own life, For my own life, knowing this house, knowing this church, and other encounters we've had here, we would drive from Huntsville over here to be at special events and different occurrences throughout and throughout and throughout. But for 33 half years, for 32 of those being a preacher, being a minister, uh, being somebody who likes to bring the Word of God and to know that there's always been an underlying desire to preach here, to preach here, But, oh, the sacrifices that have been made to get to where we are today. We tend to fail to realize that. So why am I saying this to you? Maybe this is a stage of sacrifices that the Lord is bringing you into to to propel you and advance you into new successes. Are you with me? How about another 40 years? How about another whole generation of victories right here in Decatur, Alabama? How about the fulfillment of dreams and promises? They are attached to sacrifice. There is no success in the kingdom of God without sacrifice. Genesis chapter 22. Picking up in verse 1. If I get carried away and start to go beyond the boundaries, just wave me down, I'll bring it down. I was preaching one time, Pastor Tony, y'all turn to that page, Genesis 22. It's in the front of the Bible. Very first book. I saw somebody was looking through the front up there. I was preaching, and there wasn't a whole lot happening. And finally I got on something, and one sister said, Amen. Perked me up a little bit Another one said Preach it brother I said I'm starting to roll now I mean they're pushing on the pedal One stood up and waved a hanky I got rolling and going This went on for a little while Then the pastor said Preach it Pharaoh Kind of wrapped it up a little bit Went back into the study of the pastor And talking I said excuse me I have one question He said, what's that? I said, why did you say preach it, Pharaoh? He said, I was trying to tell you Let my people go It's not a true story, but You don't have to tell me I already know, okay? Listen, if, you're, if you're, you have not been Converted and transformed To where you are as sold out To the kingdom of God As you were to the drugs and the alcohol And all the other stuff You haven't been converted yet You might have changed your mind. You might have changed your habits. But if you're not addicted to Jesus and sold out to the kingdom of God, something still, there's another chain that needs to be broken. Amen? There's another shackle that needs to be set free. So somebody ought to get up just for one moment and give the Lord a praise for all that he's done and a praise going into all that he's going to do. You're going to enter into his course with thanksgiving in your hearts. You're going to enter in with that praise. Come on. We're going into another generation. We're going into another season. He's going to raise up what's been laid down. He's going to quicken What's been slowed down He's going to revive what has gone to sleep He is going to bring an awakening He's going to bring a stirring And you're going to be a part of it Amen. This house will be filled Three to four days on a week It'll be filled three to four times on a Sunday This house has not yet seen It's best years, it's best days The greatest is yet to still come Because greater is he That is in you Than he that is in the world We're going to declare great things in this house Come on, somebody. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass, one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. Now it came to pass... Now it happened. Friends, you're not in a church that's only going to talk about what did happen and what's going to happen one day. You're in a church where things are happening, amen? I want you to embrace that right now. Something's happening. What they're saying, what they're declaring, what they're singing, something is happening in the kingdom around my life. He said, in the beginning, he said, and now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said to him, Here I am. Sounds a little old school, doesn't it? Remember the roll call? Present, here, here I am. God is making sure that he's where he's supposed to be. God is going to start calling on you. And you better be able to say, here I am, not, ooh, I better get over there. Come on, somebody. It's time to be where we're supposed to be. He was tested. For something to be tested or for something to be found to be true, It has to be tested. I'm declaring to you. Now, you already shouted. You already praised. So the gates are open. God is getting ready to test you. That's an honor. That means you're ready. That means he's done something. Something's prepared. That means you're getting ready to graduate. That means you're getting ready to go to another level. Amen? So it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing if God were to test us. Then he said, take now your son. Uh Uh-oh. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I'm sure most of us are quite aware of this, but Isaac was a promised child. Abraham and Sarah are in late age of their life and there's a promise over Isaac uh, that he was going to be through him. There's going to be multitudes of descendants and nations. There's going to be an incredible amount of people and blessing come out of it. And now God's asking for him. Listen to me, friends. God is getting ready to bring the church to the place. I declare this in this house. I declare it in my own house and my own life. God is bringing us to a fresh place that he's going to see if we really trust him. To give back our dreams and our visions for his plans and his purposes. He said, give me your only son. We're looking at a God who has done this for us through Jesus Christ. Do you realize that Jesus was his only begotten son? There was only one, there was none other. There should be only one God in our lives and none other also. Amen? So he says, give me your son. He said, give me the one whom you love. Now, Moriah is a, is a mountainous range, but he said, you're not going to take all those mountains. I want you to go to that one mountain. But Moriah also, the meaning of the name Moriah means God is my teacher. God is my teacher. It's one thing to have an open book. It's another thing to have a teacher there taking it with you. Amen? He said, "He's going to teach you a thing or two over here. There's something I want to, you to understand. Some years ago, Gretchen and I were in the ministry, pastoring, and I went to a retreat to seek the Lord, and I was in the middle of the night, about a Saturday night, about midnight, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I knew he was taking me for a walk for a reason, and he said, I want all of your dreams, and I want all your visions. I want everything. And I was like, whoa, 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 That sounds like you even want me to step out of ministry. He said, I want all of them. I want you to give me everything. Just like I asked Abraham to give me Isaac. So I came home that night. Gretchen was already asleep. The next morning was Sunday, woke up. She looked at me. She said, are we going to church? She has never asked me that before. She's never asked me again. She knew something so drastically had changed in my life. I said, we're going to church, but I need to tell you something. We're not in the ministry anymore. Jared wanted to remember these days. Not in the ministry anymore. We're stepping out. Matter of fact, I feel like God wants us to buy a restaurant. She said, no, he doesn't. <laughs> she grew up in a restaurant. She knew the work. She knew what it was. I said, I've never cooked anything. Matter of fact, I cooked two meals, ladies. Two meals for our children. Hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. One night was hot dogs. The other night was macaroni and cheese. Somebody ought to kiss their mama right now. In that short period of time, the Lord had to speak to me things and bring me to a place where I could fully trust Him. There were some things He needed to teach me that I couldn't learn behind a pulpit. Musicians can hide behind their instruments. Preachers can hide behind their pulpits. People can hide behind their talents and their abilities. He stripped me, but He allowed me to make it an offering. He could have taken all that off of me, and He might have if I would not have come and offered it instead. And in that season, he spoke to me. But what I really found out in that season, it was a short season, is that if I could get victory over my anger, over my outburst of wrath, then I could be prepared for what he has next. And so we're working in the restaurant, a life story, very short. And we're about five months into it, and I have this revel- realization, revelation, that I need to have victory. I need to go a whole week without anger. Whole week. And so we got to Friday night. restaurant was only open Monday through Friday, a small little community. And Gretchen would come over and help on Friday nights. She has these beautiful little brown eyes. She's a good bit shorter than me. And she was working next to me, and I'd work all week, and I'd have all the orders up there, and she needed them down here so she could see them, but now I can't see them. But I told her, I said, Gretchen, we only to have one hour left. I said, I've gone all week. We're out of this thing. We would cry ourselves to sleep every night. Our children would cry. All we knew was ministry. We loved Jesus with, as I thought, everything we had. I would wake up in the middle of the night having dreams of flipping burgers. She's working. We're working. We're talking. The rush is over. We're starting to whistle while we work. We're happy. We're done. And then came in an order. 16 tickets. Ah, big deal. We'll have an hour left. So I'm cooking. I'm doing. We're doing. She's doing her stuff, and I'm doing the grill over there. She's doing the fryers. I know you're getting hungry. Hold on with me, and I'm putting them on there. And and I asked her. I said, Gretchen, does this cheeseburger need mustard? We've already cleaned the restaurant. We're, I mean, we're out. This ain't going up for sale that night. She didn't listen to me. She didn't hear me. She had selective hearing. You would too if you had 12 children. She didn't answer me. We'd just been talking. She's standing not even arm length away from me. I said, Gretchen, does this cheeseburger need mustard? Second time, nothing. It's kind of like the disciples in the garden, you know, just. And I said, Gretchen, does this cheeseburger need mustard on it? I'm getting ready to prep it, you know. No answer. I turned around. I said, well, I'll give it mustard. And I squeezed it and it it everywhere. There's mustard everywhere. On me, on her, on all the plates of food. I'm like 45 minutes out And I blow the mustard Nobody said anything We went about our business Got done, I started the dishwasher Happened to be out that night I'm washing dishes, pans, pots and pans She comes over and starts helping me And the Holy Spirit said That you need to confess She she asked me, she said Did you do that out of anger? (laughs) I didn't answer her It's not time to talk It's time to work, Reggie I'm getting somewhere He's testing me He's testing me She came over and started helping Without saying a word Started washing the pots and pans Knowing we got another week at least Another month who knows Will we ever get out of this that we're in Holy Spirit said You need to Tell her you did that out of anger I said you, I need to confess the obvious This is what I said to him Oh, uh, You can sit on the edge of your seat for just a moment Wait a second, I'm going to get you He said, yes, even the obvious And this is what he said to me You can measure the depth Of man's pride At the length of his unwillingness To confess his faults You can measure The depth of man's pride At the length of Of his unwillingness to confess his faults. God resists the proud, But he gives grace to the humble. I want to encourage you. To be more humble. I want to encourage you to be more real. I want to encourage you not to hide anything inside of you. That is keeping you from the hiding place. Exchange your hidings of what you're hiding so you can hide in him. One of the easiest places it seems to be for years for man to hide from God had been the church. Because if they're in church, we think they're okay. But listen to me, what man could not get to, God's going to get to. And he's going to bring a quickening inside the house and get the depths out. Listen, we have our sins forgiven, but many people are still wounded through our faults. Amen? So, he said, bring your son to me. Let's just get through two more verses here. So Abraham rose. Well, let me just ask you this question. Is it possible to say that until we're faced with giving God, with giving God what we have, until we're faced with that moment of giving him all, Would it be fair to say that we don't love him with all? Until we're tested in the midst of that? Or maybe that we don't trust his love for us? It's one thing to give God all of your sin. It's another thing to give him all that you love. What is he worthy of? It all. You see, we have tended to make the altar a landfill. Instead of a place of sacrifice. It's become a place of excuses and forgiveness. I've got news for us. And I believe this is on good authority. God really doesn't as much want the sin that's in your life out of you. He wants you out of the sin. Leave the sin back there and put the life up here. You want change. Something's got to change. But we just come up and keep giving him all the things that, we, that he doesn't love. He's asking us, the people of faith, to give him what he does love. He said, Give me your only son. At your ability, give. Give me what you have and trust me with it. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Boy, that's a whole nother series. Whole nother series. Almost every great character I've ever seen in the Bible rose up early in the morning somewhere, and the Bible wrote it because all these beds, or the Spirit said, people in 2021 need to see that. Seek Him first. Right? Rose up early. That means he didn't procrastinate. Let me tell you something about procrastination. For the moment to be your best friend, it'll soon become your worst enemy. We have got to break the chain of procrastination in the church. People are dying and going to hell because people are not getting to them, because they're afraid that they might stumble, they might fall, they might not know what to say. You gotta break that procrastination. I'll get to him tomorrow. No, no, no. Tomorrow is not promised. We need to get to him today. Amen. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled up his donkey. And he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. He had a vision of it. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder. You know he's got to be from Alabama. He said, The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will get back to you. He did not say, You guys get the guitar get the keyboard, get the drums. We need a sound system. He, he didn't say, that's our mindset of worship. He didn't say, get the singers. He didn't say, get the dancers. There's a place for all that. But the original place of worship is right here in Genesis and it's Sacrifice. We need to start throwing our lives on this altar on a daily basis and not crawling off of it. Dedicate our life to whatever is needed, however is needed, whenever is needed, whoever you want, here I am, Lord, send me. We need to have that concept in the midst of worship, not bless me, but send me. It is time to release the church. It's time to release the bribe. It's time to release the power of God. It's time to release the service of God. It's time to release the ministers of the flame. It's time to awaken to what God is getting ready to move into. He rose up. He said, and we will come back to you. Hmm. He had been giving sacrifices, slaying animals, cutting them, bleeding them out, and burning them. He'd been giving burnt offerings for a long time. He said, but we will come back to you. Yeah, but God asked for your son. Let me take you to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, and we'll, we'll wrap it. Hebrews eleven, seventeen 17 and 19 says, By faith, Abraham, let me tell you, quit worrying about what you don't have and start dealing with what you do have. Because he gave you and I a measure of faith. And we need to use that faith and put it to practice and put it to use. He says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, When he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promises offered in his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, which he also received in a figurative sense. Is there the possibility that God is bringing us to the testing? to realize how big our faith is or to find out how small it still is to work out what needs to be worked out to be able to work out what he wants to work out. No, what I'm saying is is that we're willing to bring our dreams and our visions and put them at his feet, believing even though they're dead. Even though he does sacrifice them He can raise them up again He is the first act of the power of resurrection And I speak to every dream I speak to every promise I speak to every prayer I speak to every prophecy I speak to every worship experience you've ever had Though it seems to be dead God is able to raise it up God is able to call it forth God is able to bring it, make it alive What seems to be dead I understand the attention spans about as long as the rear end can stand. i telling you, we're rapping right now. Don't lose your shout. Gain your responsibility. There's dead dreams and promises in here. There, there's, there's a... a, a, a Uh, visions that have not come to pass or accomplished. There's songs that have not yet been written. Uh, There's words that have not yet been preached. There's prophets that have not been released. And there's those that have, and they seem to have gotten interrupted. But I'm here to tell you, like Abraham, the reason he got Isaac is because he believed in the power of resurrection. That he was going to be God no other way. He was going to fulfill his promises and plans. He said, we'll be back sometimes we need to look at the devil and say, we'll be back. But we really need to look at God and say, we'll be back. We're yours in this hour to do what only you can do. No procrastination. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke, and he spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father... My father, he realized something, and dads and moms, I hope that our children can see it in us also. He said, I see the wood, and I see the fire. He said, but where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? I almost believe, I'll ask the the keyboard player to come up and join me for just a moment. Please come up. I can, I can see God hanging over us right now and saying, I see the fire. I see the knife. I see the woods. I see all the dead things you've repented of. I see the sharp words you're preaching and prophesying. And I see the fire. I see the Holy Ghost. He said, but wh- wh- where's the sacrifice? Something's missing. I'm not talking about yesterday's sacrifice. I'm talking about being a living sacrifice. He's looking for a church that will carry out the mantle and the description and the vision and the passion and the zeal and the messages that have been preached over and over. You've watched your pastor suffer. You've watched them go through pain. You've watched them always come out on the other side and it becomes blessed. It becomes favored. And you see other heroes of the faith in here in this room right now. But I'm here to tell you it's time to pick up that mantle and to walk this out. Where's the sacrifice in your life? Unless a wheat kernel falls on the ground, he gives you a measure, and if you just have the measure of the seed of a mustard seed, he's asking you to plant your faith in him today, for this next season, for the next generation, for the next harvest, for the next mighty move of God. He's looking for those of sacrifice those who worship in the altar of sacrifice. He said, where is the sacrifice? John chapter 19, verse 17. And he bearing his cross, remember he put the wood on Isaac's back. It was a foreshadow of Jesus with the cross, the tree on his back. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. Jesus said this. He said, if anyone, listen to me, this is a beautiful bridge time for us. Come out of celebrating 40 phenomenal, great, fantastic, amazing years. My life, I testified of how much my life was was impacted through those years of ministry. And still is. So to God be the glory. uh, So wonderful, so thankful for what he's done but now we have to make a planting for what's to come wouldn't that be the greatest gift your pastor's return see they're viewing the beautiful fall right now the, the, the colors of the leaves aren't really green that's chlorophyll the real colors when they're dying that's when they're most beautiful Jesus said this. I don't know who's going to respond to the altar call of sacrifice, but Jesus said this. He said, If anyone desires, just desires to follow me, he must deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me. He's looking for a sacrificial worship, a total surrender, a planting. Unless that wheat curl falls on the ground and dies. What do you mean I need to die every day? Paul said he died every day. You want an apostolic, Paulic uh, type of ministry? I'll give you a word that'll help you. Obedience. Everybody say the word obedience. Obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Right? What's the three middle letters of the word obedience? D-I-E. Die. You know what it's like. You want me to do what, Lord? You want me to give what? You want me to say what? You want me not? When you're being obedient, you're dying to yourself. I was in Dallas, Texas, visiting a mentor of mine some years ago. I read the book, No Compromise. Somebody, I'll just print that upon your head right now. No Compromise by Melody Green of Keith Green. At the very end of the book, I started to weep because of the premature death of Keith Green. A prophetic voice in this time. Two little children. Some other people died within a plane wreck. That didn't need to happen. I'm curled up in a fetal position, weeping and wailing over this. I got up, came back home. I read the book again on the way home. When I got home, I got in the same thing. I was in a fetal position, two days removed from Dallas, and I'm weeping and just wailing. I'm in intercession. I said, "I said, what is it, Lord? I'm carrying intercession. And he said, I want you to go lay on Keith Green's grave. Now, I'm the spontaneous one. She's the practical one. I thought, I better test this one out. I said, honey, I said, I read a book, and this is what happened. She said, when are you going? When are you leaving? I thought, wow. So she drove me to the airport, bought a ticket that day, flew back out to Dallas. The grave is only 80 miles from Dallas. I was there two days ago when I had the first experience. I said, Lord, why didn't you tell me then? He said, you didn't ask me. Ask him for those kind of things. I got out there. I got a rental car. Drove out the next morning to Lindale, Texas. A little white church where Keith Green and his children and Leonard Ravenhill are both buried. I'm not talking about grave soaking. That is not of the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about in the least bit. You'll get my story here in just a second. This is years ago. I got out of the car and I looked and there's that little white church. And, and I was having my quiet time in the car. And I, I'm reading and I read this scripture. In John 12, 24. Unless a wheat kernel falls on the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, but if it dies, the biggest, smallest word in the Bible is if. It's conditionally based. His love is not, but his obedience is. He said if anyone dies, if it doesn't die, it'll abide abide alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I thought that scripture is so good, I'm going to write that down in my journal. I'm sitting in a rental car in a cemetery. I'm writing that scripture down it up, got out and thought, now I wonder where his grave's at. So I just started walking and I stopped right there, no offense whatsoever, but I looked over on the other side of the field fence over there, out in the middle of Texas is a cow looking at me at nine o'clock in the morning like, you're crazy. What are you doing here right now? And the fear of man hit me and I was worried about what the cow was thinking about me. Honestly, just like we do and we think, what is somebody going to think if I lift my hands? Well, somebody's going to think if I pray in tongues. Well, somebody's going to think if I dance. Well, somebody's going to think if I say. The fear of man is not the person you're afraid of. It's the fear that's still inside of you. And if there's still fear in there, you can't be faithful. You can't be full of faith if you have partial fear. And so I'm looking at it and I said, move. Move. I started taking authority over that cow. It didn't budge. So I called Chick Fil A. No, Sugar helps medicine go down. Watch out. So I start walking. I end up right at the. I stop just a, a direct half moon line, and I stop, not knowing where to go. And I look up, and there is. I'm six feet away from the tombstone, the headstone of Keith Green. There's dew all over the grass. I am trying to wait this thing out. No, not really. I'm, I'm passionate. Passionate. Remember, he rose up early in the morning. Now look at the tombstone, this is what it said on it. It didn't say R.I.P., it didn't say here lies a godly man. It says, unless a weak kernel falls on the ground and dies, it abides alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. What was all that about? Obedience. It cost a lot. There's a lot of pain that went with it. A lot of uncertainty. Uh, There's even a little bit of disappointment in the midst of it because I thought maybe I was going to lay in his grave and he's going to come out of the grave. I thought maybe I'd get kinky here and play a keyboard. None of that happened. I died. I died right there. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to plant for the next 40 years? Listen. I'm trying to close this. Listen. If I had a seed in my hand, say it's an apple seed. You need to realize it's not just a seed. Inside that seed is roots, a trunk, branches, leaves, fragrance, blooms, apples, and more seeds. Listen, just like inside of a human seed are arms and legs and eyes and nose. There's so much more. What you're getting ready to plant is getting ready to produce. Listen, I'm, I'm declaring this. I'm declaring this. Six to nine months, you'll see from there all the way over to there, full occupancy. Full occupancy. And it's going to be because of the harvest. It's going to be partially because of restoration. I'm declaring right now, within the next three months, it'll be at least 10 families come back to this church who used to go to church here and thought they could find something greener somewhere else. They're going to come back. And we're not going to say, I told you so. We're going to say, welcome home. We're going to bring them in. We're going to dance. We're going to shout. We're going to celebrate. We're going to kill the fatty cap. We're going to do all this stuff. The prodigals and coveticals are coming home. You didn't get that. We're meant to assemble, to be together. I declare that in this house in Jesus' name. Are you ready to plant? He said, Dad, where's the the lamb? This is what Abraham said to him, paraphrased. He said, God will provide his own lamb. Matter of fact, translated... In the footnotes, it says God will provide his own goat. God will provide the greatest of all time. God, will, you didn't get that. God will, listen, Jesus is the greatest of all times. And you and I ought to be happy that we have the evidence of what it takes when somebody dies, that that's when resurrection power is truly tested. Until you really die, you'll never see the fullness of his power. Until we literally, literally lay our lives down, we'll never see the fullness of his power. so with your heads bowed your eyes closed do you desire to truly be able to call him Jehovah Jireh the Lord is my provider it's in this moment right now you need to contemplate what are you going to give him what is he asking of you are you ready to give your only son Are you ready to give your only life? Are you ready to surrender all for this new season? To sacrifice on a daily basis? Don't let yourself be like the rich young ruler. I want it, but you can't have it. He wanted what Jesus had, but he said, Jesus, you can't have what I have. It's time to sell out. So right now I open the altars, anyone, whosoever to come and we'll pray a corporate prayer to come and say I present myself a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto you no longer say this with me no longer conformed to this world every chain broken but now transformed I want you to do this. Say, Lord, change me. Change me. In this moment of transition, transform me. Make me who you really wanted me to be. Jeremiah said on behalf of God. He said, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. What's he saying? You are not who I knew you could be. You are not who I created you to be. I want to make you who I want you to be. I'm going to give just one more opportunity. It doesn't matter where you stand with the Lord right now. We're talking about this next season. Are you willing to plant? Come on, move in a little bit closer if you can. Spread out a little bit. A living sacrifice Surrender your life to Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, pray this prayer with me, Lord. You can have it all today. I give you my dreams, I give you my visions, I give back to you what you have already said to me. I surrender my life to you, my all to you, Lord. I want this to be a planting of faith into the what is to come. I give you me. And I acknowledge, I trust you to bring back to me and bring me back to only that which you have for me. All else is lost, removed. I'm laying aside anything that is not of you. I give my heart, my soul, my mind, and I give you my body. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise, can we? I want to speak something over you. I speak a unction of evangelism over you. I speak a movement of release over you of the word of God and the spirit of God not only preaching the word but preaching Christ the miracle worker I speak over you an open heaven I speak over you a spiritual pinata being broken with gifts coming out that you walk away with something You walk away with something to give. What good is a gift if it ceases to be a gift? I declare the gifts of God to be awakened inside of you as soon as today when you go from here that you'll have something to give. I declare over you the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the kindness of God, and the love of God. I declare over you healing in Jesus' name. I declare over you divine healing in Jesus' name. I declare over you that what is starting to slow down and not working, it will start to work again. I awaken your abdominal area. I remove anything that's causing stress in your life. I break it and bind it right now in Jesus' name. I come against what is stealing your rest and stealing your sleep. And I come against discouragement right now in Jesus' name. I declare that I am for you and not against you, says the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to be mighty not just to save, but mighty to do in glorious and wonderful things. I'm opening a door for you that you had knocked on a long time ago but I'm going to show you the light and I'm going to show you the way and you're going to walk in the truth you're going to walk in my likeness and you are going to release my goodness and my kindness and my favor on the life of those who have not heard in a long time I'm declaring a returning says the Lord there's somebody who walked with the Lord for a period of time but a short period of time they have walked away from the Lord the Lord says you're going to heal that hardened heart you're going to heal that calloused heart there's a woundedness, there's a father wound in their life and you're going to bring a word of healing and a word of hope. I bless you, says the Lord. I bless you, and I receive your love and your devotion. I would say this to you: I know that you love me. I know that you love me, and I know what you're surrendering right now. But I'm here to tell you what I'm bringing is going to be better than and greater than. I want you to know. I want you to know. I'm going to reveal to you, says the Lord, what your eyes have not yet seen and what your ears have not yet heard. You're tired of being tired. You're tired of being sick and tired. I break that band off of you right now, in Jesus. In Jesus name, I declare new energy and new strength inside of you. I restore the joy of the Lord inside of you. I restore the shout of the almighty God inside of you. And I declare you got to stomp in your feet again. You're going to tread upon the heads of the enemy and that demon that is coming up and putting poison in your family. He is being bound right now in Jesus name. He is being cut off right now in Jesus name. You're going to take him by the tail and whip him. You're going to take him by the tail and crush him. I declare right now you are going to see the victory. You're going to see See the victory, says the Lord, and I declare that there is joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.